Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the American Rugby Show. This is the MLR Breakdown. I am one of your hosts, Alex Corbisera, joined by former US MLR Coach of the Year, Rob Hoadley, and the most capped eagle in USA Rugby history and a 2021 USA Rugby Hall of Fame inductee, Todd Clever. Mate, Todd, if you get any more accolades it's going to be too much of a mouthful for me and i'm alex corbacera this is the mlr breakdown this is where we get down to it round 12 is in the books and it is time to look ahead and analyze all the results all the biggest news stories and all the detail enjoy and now a word from our sponsor bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbooks experts. MLR Breakdown, round 12. It's getting closer, boys. First thoughts. What do you think, Hoadley? Uh, well, yeah, a very intriguing weekend. I think uh, as we look look across across the fixtures now, we're going to see we're going to start to see a bit of a divide in the league between teams that are really banging it for playoffs and teams now that is slipping away. Um, and it's going to be really interesting because if you're not playing with that purpose, it's difficult. You can have great moments, but it's difficult to really stick in the fight in the tough moments in the game. Um, and it's it's going to be interesting because I think uh, the games, the, the most tightly contested game was obviously the Nola ATL game because they're both right in it. The other games, it was almost one team's in it, one team's kind of out of it uh, until uh, Utah Seattle, which had the potential to be a banana skin because you knew that Utah could be going into that game with Austin and Legion already having picked up five points, which they did, and then. Well, I mean, <laughs> it was incredible because obviously we saw the Utah uh, finish against Seattle last year where they scored in like the 88th minute. And for the whole of the final 15 minutes, everything that happened, you think, is this going to happen again? It can't. Is it going to happen again? And then Seattle missed the penalty. Utah get a penalty, kick to the corner. It was, well, I mean, you can't beat the drama. Last game on a Sunday night. It was a tease as well because it looked like a try from the kick through as well. So I thought, you know, JP, tough call for him to make with no TMO. But I don't think Seattle get that down when you, when you see the replay and you're like, oh, my God. See, you know, Utah have been robbed, but they go again and they finally get the try. And that kind of leads on to my big takeaways for me. You know, we've kind of been talking through this tournament, uh, through this competition, you know, East Coast, so close. East Coast, it's neck and neck. The West Coast is starting to really heat up and tighten up. And, and, and you're bang on. I thought San Diego finding a way to get the bonus point and, and getting that game and the, the form they're starting to hit and just the, the five points on an away game that that gives them on this league with the run-ins and the head-to-heads they have is already fueling the, the fire that Hoadley has been, you know, slowly sort of nurturing those embers to us over the last couple of weeks. Those flames are fully up and running and there's massive potential. Austin wrestling the bonus point right at the end of the round as well. Like the West Coast drama is my takeaway from this round because it's making it, it like we always like oh we were worried about the west west coast is must see tv now too and i love it and i just think that the competition is molding itself into such a fantastic league there's stuff at stake there's styles clashes every week like i do think the product is getting to a point that we've never seen the mlr in this position like we've never had like how many more games have we ever seen in the mlr than we have this year it can't be too many more and there's still a big run into the playoffs now and so much more drama uh to entail that i absolutely love there's it. definitely a huge run in and people are excited and it makes us you know more in tune and and uh give give all the listeners and watchers you know some some good uh, good access but now, you know, after this show, once we start talking about these games, let's really dive in deep for the next weeks because that's going to be really uh, interesting to tell who's going to come through. I mean, 
I already know the two top teams that are that are going to be playing uh, next week is obviously that Atlanta New York is going to be playing, and then uh, and then uh, also uh, San Diego versus Utah. So th- those are two of the main uh, main games in my fixtures for next week. But, but let's talk more about uh, this this week, uh, starting with Texas. Go for uh, the Texas Cup, Houston hosting Austin, and uh, you know. Uh, Austin, first time they hosted at the they hosted at the Texas Cup, and they ran away 26-0. They came back with four tries. Uh, this time they wanted the same thing, and they got the same thing. You know, holding Houston without scoring. Uh, final 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 game was 28 to nine to Austin, taking back the Texas Cup. Do you guys have anything uh, to talk about? What do you guys thought about that game? Yeah, again, it's classic Austin, isn't it? I mean, overall, they come out with it with the five points, and Corbis is going to talk about the second half uh, in a second. Um, and on paper, they've done exactly what they needed to do. Uh, but the, the 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 problem where you just hesitate on Austin for the rest of the season is they're playing a, a Houston team that's very, extremely low on confidence. Um, they've held them scoreless, but it's it's again, Corbis has mentioned this in the past. It's their attack in the twenty-two. And if you just look at the first half, I just between minute 10 and minute 25, I just noticed that they were turning the ball over. So I just started counting. There were eight turnovers by Austin, whether it be running out into touch, losing a line out, uh, offloads that weren't on, um, uh, attacking breakdown, eight turnovers. And, and that whole time they were in the Houston half. And mind you, this is against a, a defence that was just backing away from them, putting no pressure on. They were almost running away at times. And yet they were still turning the ball over. And that, to me, would be the, the concern for Austin because I, I hoped that when they beat Seattle um, in... Was that what that one was in Austin? And then remember, they scored four tries and they opened up and they were playing some good rugby. I thought, OK, this is the evolution of Austin. They can stick with the defensive pressure and now they can expand the game. And they haven't really been able to do that. Um, now, they scored a great try in the first half off a line out. Two hit, change direction. Cowley coming round as a playmaker on the loop. Beautiful over the top pass. And then Maratha backing up on the inside. That's what we want to see more of. That was brilliant play. And we want to see a bit more of that creati- creativity. Rob. We're on the exact same wavelength here. I almost had to fight to not interrupt you. First half, 75% territory for Austin. And it's like 7-6 or something at half time. Or excuse me if I'm getting that wrong. But seven points and that was, that was it. Like, I was absolutely mind blown. Like, you watch Austin, there's so much to rave about. And I feel like a broken record here, continuing about their red zone conversion. But it's true. Like... It's absolutely mind-boggling to me. Like, they're not scoring more points in games with what they're doing. And if you look at, like, some of their tries, a lot of their tries are actually coming from a little bit further out where they take a bit more risk and they look a little bit more dangerous. Like you said, that 21 pattern where you've got the Marath try, um, you've got the Maca Jones try comes from a little bit further out. I think they need to take a little bit more risk than the 22. It's just very, very, like, one-dimensional of pick-and-go, drive, carry phase ball phase ball and if you haven't if you haven't got a team that's just loaded with like ball carrying explosive x x factor because i think the legion doing that against toronto is is the the recipe there like simple is sometimes better when you've got explosive ball carriers but austin are getting down there they're not generating enough from it that that you you, they have to be more creative they have to ask more questions defenders and 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 actually have teams make mistakes and they, they score because otherwise it will come back to haunt them and they will not be in the mix in the playoffs because bonus points, yes, they got it this week, but against Houston, they should have had that zipped up so much sooner than they did. And and it's only, I'm critical of them because I, I don't, I think Houston have a lot to go and are a drop off to some of the teams that they're going to be playing in the playoffs. There's so much more growth that we need to see from Austin in, in, in their attack. And they have the players there to do it. It's more that I think they just have to add that layer to their game and put an emphasis on it because the areas they have focused and spent time on, they're very, very good at. I mean, I wish I could argue. I wish I could put up a good fight and, and, and say <laughs> something. But you know what? I, it, and, and it's sad to see because we've talked about it before. The facilities, the players that Houston have, the fan base, the sponsorship. I mean, going down there in Houston is not an easy place to play, you know, and and, and teams are going down there and getting the job done and making it easier. They're, they're, they're making it easy against them. 
Um, but I mean, you know, they, they, they have everything lined up except for, you know, the 80 minutes when they cross the field, which is unfortunate, but you know, uh, the Austin, uh, the fans are, are definitely going to be happy with the trophy coming back with them. Um, and, and good old, uh, in that 80th minute or so, uh, with WAPA diving over for that bonus point, that's definitely going to be, t- uh, telling. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens for them in the, in the coming weeks for sure. Next game, we had Atlanta hosting NOLA. And I got to be honest, guys. I saw the score, and I didn't watch the game. It was 8-7. to seven. I know you guys have a lot to say. But, you know, whenever I see a scoreline of 40-30, 28-9, I'm interested. I want to see some good tries. That, I couldn't really get into it. So, Hodes, take it away from me, buddy. Yeah, it's a short uh, highlights package, maybe. Uh, to be honest, Todd, I actually really enjoyed this game. I thought it was me too. Was, like, Sorry to interrupt really you. Well contested. I think it was one of the, like better MLR games. Actually, it was interesting. The the, the thing that stood out for me is um, Nola had two weeks to prepare, and I I just don't know what the plan they went into the game was. Like, you got to think when you're planning. Like, what does Scott Lawrence want you to do? And then maybe try and do something different, not the exact same thing. Because they kept trying to go wide early to the 13 channel. And you're literally, if I'm Waitokia, right, or O'Keefe, I'm going, please pass there. Please pass there because I'm going to go and make a big play. I'm going to go and nail someone. I'm going to get an interception. And Nola just kept putting it into that spot. I just couldn't believe it. And if you look at their success in the first half, they were also, again, overplaying from deep. I just, I just don't get that against... If you've watched ATL play, why would you play from your own 10-metre line? It's just playing into their hands. Uh, where, did their, where did their success come in the first half? Well, one was a chip over the top, which Cam Dolan collected, a really good chip to check the line speed. Secondly, JP Duplessis. What is he good at, lads? Run hard and straight. <laughs> Run hard, great footwork, make people miss on the gain line and get you running forward. As soon as you're running forward, it's hard for the blitz on the outside to keep coming up. Where was their, their other line break in the first half? It was from JP, footwork at the line, offload, and they're in behind. But they keep using JP as a distributor. Now, JP has got, so many, he's got a lot of tools in the t- toolbox, but his footwork is better than his distribution, if you look at his overall game. And what you need in the game against ATL is footwork at the line, not distribution into that channel early. And so I just, I, to me, I, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand going into the game with that plan. They, on about 60 minutes, they changed. Yeah. And Stevens put in some really good kicks and they started challenging. But like, lads, do you think it might be an idea to put a couple of bombs on Colse and try and transfer <laughs> some pressure? Colse is like the smallest fullback in the league and no one tests him in the air. So... I, I they did actually get some um, some better results after 60 minutes, but then unfortunately Stevens had a couple of wayward kicks as well. I think that went straight out, and it just took a bit of momentum out of them. Uh, but that that was the initial thing that stood out to me. Cause what did you think, mate? We're we're on the same page. I, I'd love to disagree with you, but I, 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 the tactics change and the results it was getting them like. You wouldn't think that you would have watched LA overplay at times against Atlanta and, and the rewards it gave Atlanta and you would learn those lessons, and they didn't. I, I think they eventually started to kick more. The key to Atlanta is if you keep Atlanta in their own half, their attack, they don't attack from deep. They don't do a lot. Like, it's going to be a low-scoring game. So then if the game's over there, you get the ball back at certain times or you get your actual – and you actually can get your set piece and launch off of it – you're in a really good place to win the game. But unfortunately, that's not happening. I think Atlanta are very good at what they do. I thought the set piece, they did a good job of disrupting Nola. I think um, the line out, they didn't always get the the steals, but they disrupted a lot of the quality of the ball. I think in the 22 as well, they, they had a good system of when they knew Nola was going to drive, and that's a big weapon of Nola's, they didn't overcommit in the air. They stayed down and just nullified the drive. And then a little bit further out or key moments, they put pressure on. And I think Nola's uh, inability to launch off some of their platforms affected them. I think the try was really well done from Atlanta. Um, 
Carl Say exposing the space in the high. And because they got the scrum against the head, there's no one in the backfield there to cover that. Um, so he, that, that, that's a, just a really clever work try to know that that space is there. And the amount of, that is their main weapon at the moment. It's either get to the 22 and be direct, or it's just kick ins behinds and get the rewards. And that's kind of Atlanta's game. And they got a nice try there. Credit Cam Dolan for the crafty little bit of work to get that try before half time because I think that sort of rescued the game Brilliant. a little bit. It was, it was awesome. That. It was awesome. And uh, no, I, I spoke the to the ref, let it go because half the time that happens, right? And then the ref panics and goes, no, no, you're offside. Um, but he had said it was out. Cam went and played it. I thought it was a brilliant try. I really enjoyed that. No, me too. I, and I thought it was a very exciting game. Like, I agree with you because it was competitive and the game was on a knife edge. I just couldn't believe in that last 20 minutes, Nola couldn't convert. Like, that one penalty they kicked to get to. to 8-7 or whatever but then nothing like the last five minutes is like a, a recipe of like game mismanagement like missed opportunities after missed opportunities to get the points and just win the game like mm. it was mind-boggling to me that they hadn't converted any points right at the end especially that last five minutes where I think it was two or three key moments where they could have got something out of reward from it and that's the game and how about a result for Atlanta from that to get you know to already be at the top to go away to, to lay a bit of an egg and not play your best game, you know, it's always going to be hard to back up a big performance after they literally threw the kitchen sink at LA and they find a way to be defending in like the 81st minute, 84th minute, whatever it is, to win the game again. Like, amazing. And I think the picture of that game that sums it up the best is O'Keefe's tackle. Like, inches away from, from Nola scoring and then see you later. Like, that is... Atlanta in, in a nutshell and and that defensive grit just to not to cave in when you're away from home you're safe in the league and you're defending your goal line over and over again and to not give in like that is a hell of a stand from from Atlanta and that those points could be the difference between first or second seed in the east coming down the, the line for Atlanta those away wins yeah I think what you're talking about there sums both teams up Corbs because as you said, to, to emotionally to back it up on the road against a team that's rested for ATL after beating LA last week. So impressive. The O'Keefe tackle is one of the moments of the season. Uh, it's just, I mean, just physically, uh, geometrically, mathematically, I don't know how Rogers didn't score. It was just incredible. Um, and, but that sums them both up because I also think that ATL try, how, how does Misalagu score? I don't know if you remember, like, it's, obscure reference, maybe not the, the American public won't know this one, but Poitrano for Toulouse against Rob Howley in the Heineken Cup final, where the ball's rolling along, like, Rogers was there, and he let Misalagu uh, get past him for the try. I just, I, I can't believe he let him get past yeah, him. Why didn't he just dive on it? Like, he's well, looking at it, he, he thinks his he, player's going to get it. He, he didn't dive because he, he, he thought his mates got it. But you, you, you can't let your winger get past you there. He was he, he slowed down and actually got out of Misalagu's way. And then obviously Rogers gets held up over the line. And then seconds after that, in the same attack move, they'd actually played out the back. JP uh, a, a hit a nice pass to him out the back. And they were on again on the right-hand side. And unfortunately, it was another drop. Uh, and it was Rogers again, unfortunately. But that summed them up. Um, but listen, another, another interesting point. The penalty to win it for... ATL was that a penalty no. because it was in fr it looked and I, 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 I don't know but it looked like the penalty was given for in front of the kicker so again Nola Nola had mixed it up here they'd put in a cross kick which they collected and they said it was in front of the kicker I don't think he was in front if that was what the penalty uh, uh, was for yeah I watched it, it back no great point Matt I watched it back well the old 15 second rewind on the rugby network as long as it'll get you in real time but I uh I I, I couldn't see exactly he said in front of the kicker it had to be that's a penalty but front. it's a it's a poor call it's a poor call he and there's a few and that, there's a, that's the game yeah it's a swing moment because Nola's game plan in that last of kicking to compete putting the ball back down there Atlanta, you know, fell apart their own game like at times but Nola just couldn't capitalize yeah. And that's it. ATL finished on another defensive stand. I mean, it's, it's just, you can't write it. No, I love it. <laughs> They're man. back in their own 22, the exact same place as LA, and they come up with a stop, and you just got to admire what those guys are doing. But listen, I'm so interested to see now 
Who's going to be the team that actually mixes the tactics up and, and says, we're not just going to do what we used to do or we, we think is best, but we're going to do what it takes to break down this defence. Again, go back to Toronto ATL, Toronto in the second half. Toronto started breaking them down and it wasn't, it wasn't overly complicated. But if, if, if you want to have success against ATL, I'd take a look at that tape and maybe take some tips from that. Next game, we have San Diego traveling out to Atlanta, which is obviously the home of the Toronto team. And uh, Toronto put up a good fight. It was close. They showed some promising stuff. But uh, San Diego, new legs, people coming off the bench. I mean, uh, Pryor was amazing. Good to see Rob Shaw back in there. You know, Ferno going at it. And, uh, you know, it seems like they're a complete team. And they, they went away. San Diego got away with a 40-30 to 30 victory. Bonus point win, which is uh, definitely what they needed to go forward with. And that's what, uh, you know, Hodes been banging that drum. Hodes, what were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, fair play to uh, Toronto. Because you look at the fixture and you're like, it's almost a guaranteed five points for San Diego, just where the teams are, you know, mentally. Uh, and again, just the, the purpose that they're playing with. Toronto got nothing to play with. They're gone. They're, their heads are gone. Uh, they're going to lose the players to Canada in the test window. Uh, and they ended up with actually some kids on at the end. And they, they were just too inexperienced, although they were in it. And this is the pattern I, we're going to see. We're going to see a lot of these teams now that are out of it flatter to deceive. They'll play some great rugby. They'll get in games but they won't be able to stick it. Now, there'll always be an exception to the, the, um, the rule and you're going to get one of these teams that are out of it that absolutely catch fire one week and they'll play like completely reckless. They won't care. They'll be like, this is brilliant. Well, they'll throw it and they'll, and, they'll, and they'll come up with a big surprise. That wasn't the case today and San Diego was just too strong. And just in terms of San Diego, I think first you've got to say, you know, the, Scott Murray and uh, Zach Tess have done a great job in terms of steering them through what was just, just almost an impossible task. You've seen how hard it is for Toronto. I feel so sorry for Toronto. Like, they, they must be like, just get me home to my family, you know? Like, you cannot be away from your fa loved ones and be expected to perform for such a long time. And uh, so I think credit there goes to Scott and uh, Zach for guiding them through. And then, I mean, ultimately you can just reel off the names like Otti Pifletti came back in, had a couple of breaks offloads. Ferno two tries. He's been brilliant at pick and go. Actually he scored him against Houston and he just sort of slips through with his, his frame. Um, but you just start reeling off the names for Legion. There's no other team in the MLR that comes close to this. So you, you can name players that aren't in the match in, in the starting 15. Robshaw, Tamalau, Nezagenge on the bench. Then you're talking about players that aren't even in the match day 23. Aaron Mitchell, Jasavera Malua, uh, Cece Mahoney, Ben Mitchell, Cecil Africa, Save Tosazaval, and then injured uh, Dylan Orsley, Nate Augsburger, um, and Thiel as well. Gleason as well. <laughs> I was just going to add another, another prop who can start in the MLR. You, again, you, you just, so that's... that's that's 13 players. 10 of them would be stars at every other, not, not like stars at other MLR teams. And now it's a case of they can pick and choose. They can rest people. They can rotate. They can keep it fresh. They can keep people hungry. When we're seeing the likes of Austin are picking up injuries and it's the same people playing week in, week out. Uh, and they may be limping into uh, the playoffs. San Diego are going to be bouncing in. I think they'll be rolling in, mate. I think uh, I think they look good. They look strong. They look in depth, and and that's for the return you get on the rewards. And they look finally back on script. I would say about San Diego, like that Toronto game. Like I, I said to you, like, hey, I got to see it a bit to believe it. All right, and I, I, you know, they had the Nola win and the Houston wins, which were decent, but I didn't quite see like enough to be like they're coming. Do you know what I mean? I, I could see the improvements. I could see the landscape in the league favourable. This game, that looked like proper Legion of Old Ball. Play when it's on in the, in, on on the front foot in their own half, but defend aggressively, 
kick, disrupt set piece, go at it, fitness. Like, it's all trending in the direction of a very scary San Diego Legion come playoff times. And the fact they went away from home, I already said it earlier in the show, and got the bonus point, though, because they got some home run, they got games at Torero, they got some big divisional games that they'll be fancying their chances in as well, is massive for their running and their chance. Um, Especially because, you know, Austin picking up a bonus point, Utah with a last-minute win. They needed this win in, in hindsight to stay alive, but really to get the bonus point away, it, it was huge. And, and I just see, mate, I see it. Like, I, Peterson at 10, the kicking game, they've got the pieces back. There's nowhere where they're, like, you know, losing a game because they're, you know, someone's injured and they've got an understaffed player there anymore. All the pieces are there. And then you've got some top quality uh, rugby. And, and I know you already touched on his name, but we said I would drink when front row is, you know, ball. And uh, Otti Piffoletti, the double offloads for, for, to setting up tries for San Diego Legion. You, you get a Gillies chug. And he's someone who, if he can get his act together a little bit more and show me that, uh, show that some more consistently, I would say deserves a crack at the Eagles too. But San Diego... You know, they've got the defense, they've got the kicking game. And then when when they get into the 22, simple is better, lads. You've got all the ball carriers in the world. You've got threats out wide. You've got 10 that can put it on, you know, a string with a cross field or play. Mate, get over the game line. You've got to stop them there. Yeah. Like, they, they are going to be tough to stop because they have ball carriers everywhere. And in that respect, that you know, that's the difference between them and Austin, you know. The, 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 the number of ball carriers is scary and the number of leaders in that pack um, they're so physical. I mean, Rumble went off early. He came back on after he'd had the, the mummy uh, wrap on his <laughs> head. Uh, both the props went off early for Toronto. That's not a coincidence. That happens a lot to teams against uh, Legion because that pack is nasty. Um, and especially with Paddy and they got that nasty edge back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, Mieres, Tuchelet, Leves, they're still great to watch. Um but but yeah, I just I just I just feel sorry for them and Chris Silverthorne, who's done such a great job in the first two seasons there. Um, and then again, for did you notice the the, the the bonus point try for Tian Lutz? Where does it start from? They put a bomb up, they put pressure on, and they turn it over because they're transferring pressure. And this is when they're going searching for a bonus point. So they don't say, right, now we need to score so we'll necessarily play from 60 metres out. They will if the space is there. But if the space isn't there, we'll stick to the plan. We'll go. We'll, we'll, we'll put it in behind. We'll pressure them. And that's what happened. Uh, Rob Shaw made a nice burst onto the ball and it opened up for Tian Lutz against some tired tacklers. Uh, but they were strictly business. You know, they came out they were kicking the goals. They were putting the pressure on. Joe was pressuring him behind. He hits the drop goal. They were all business. And that's, that's also, you know, we've talked about starting on the, the 9 a.m. body clock for uh, Pacific Coast players. It was bloody impressive how they started that game and sort of uh, out of the blocks just shut Toronto up a bit. So I think the key thing for us now is to, you know, when we, we'll talk about the rest of the games, we'll just look at these fixtures coming up. That's, that's going to be the key thing now. It was definitely a great game, and San Diego definitely brought it in. You definitely do feel bad for the Toronto uh, you know, fan base, families, players, coaching staff, management. Um, and, and like you said, you know, they went down, came back 16-all, then 23-all, had them for a little bit. But you know, it just showed you the depth, showed you the experience and the physicality that San Diego just, uh, just brought it home. And, and with that uh, bonus point win with a 40-30 to 30 victory. Next game, we have New England hosting D.C., the OGs. New England home field advantage, and that proved to be the difference with a 38-34 to victory. Hosley, what do you have for me on this one? Yeah, well, New England are the up-and-coming team uh, in the East because, again, as we know, we've got all these home games coming up, uh, and they're unbeaten at home. They've won every game there so far. Um, so they did it, you know, we know they're defensively good. They're pretty creative from set pieces. But here it was all about uh, the first drive was a uh, line-out drive. The second drive uh, try was a, a first-phase break, a beautiful break by um, Alecky Morris-Lome. He beat four defenders and they, they end up with a pick-and-go uh, power play. Then they uh, score from another pick-and-go from Diego. Then it's uh, Matembo blindside from a drive. Uh, then it's an interception from Waka. Uh, and then it's another line-out drive, Diego. So it's like all early phases, a lot of power. And again, how do you get that? 
you control the game, you, you uh, have a good game plan to, to play in the right areas of the field, and then you earn those ability, that ability to be close to the, the try line uh, to power over. But the worry for them is that, again, it was a team that's right in the fight for the playoffs and a team that's pretty much out of it now. But 38-34, what a finish. And it was interesting that for, for the OGs, the game changed when, and, and it wasn't, I'm not saying it was them because they didn't really beat many people to score the tries, but Cassano and Noble came on and were so lively at the end. But this is, again, maybe they come on, they have no fear, there's nothing to lose. They're so happy to be out there. Um, and, and they were electric, you know, they scored the tries. And then actually Noble set up a, a great break down the right at the end. And it looked like they'd scored one of the tries of the season where um, they grubbed it through for Robertson. Again, I'm, I think they gave it, like the Nola game, I think they gave it from front of the kicker. And from what I could see, it was very tight. Uh, but that would have been one of the tries of the season. So it's actually great to see some of the shackles are going to come off these teams that aren't qualified. And it's going to make for a really interesting battle against the teams that are feeling a little bit more pressure because New England knew they needed the win to, to stay in the fight. Uh, but they got it and they got the, uh, they got the bonus point as well. So, so it's actually a great day for them and they stay unbeaten at home. This was a surprisingly exciting game to watch because it looked like it was a little one-sided early on. I think the Free Jacks uh, stomped the yard early and I think OGs did a great job of actually finding their way back into the game and making it competitive because almost, especially for a side that aren't playing for you know playoff spots as well, to dig yourself out of that and, and make it a game, I, I, I think is fair play. But you know the set piece from from uh, Free Jacks, the control of the game was evident, especially as they they opened up early. Um, you know some of the I thought Fife had another fantastic game. Like that, what what a signing he's been. I thought Wacker was was incredible with the kick throughs to, you know, breakaways to balls over the top. I thought he had involvements across the game, and and, and I and I, and I like the forward tussle. I think um, the try from from Old Glory off the mall where the seven scored. Actually, I I like that because Free Jacks back off or they don't engage on that mall. And what I think is quite clever is, is that, you know, a lot of the times you're always waiting for that transfer round, the hesitation if a team backs off. They just opened up and went forward and separated for the seven just to get his head down and go over the line. And that's why, to me, it's quite a ballsy move to to not engage the mall on your own line. And it's clever sort of, gamesmanship from the Free Jacks but I thought the OGs handled that really well uh, as Corbs, well just that, a little detail Corbs that's one of my favourite tries of the week because again like, are you watching the video like if they don't compete just take it down turn and run and obviously <laughs> if you're the defending side you stand there expect that and tackle that guy but they've done their homework say look we're going we're gonna to hurt you if you keep trying the same thing we're going to give you something different we're not going to give you exactly what you plan for so I thought that was sharp uh, there by Andrew Douglas uh, and the OGs. I'm really glad they, uh, they got the rewards. No, good game. A lot of points scored. And, I mean, it just kind of t- looks, makes you look at sort of the standings on uh, sort of that Free Jacks. They're, they're tied for that third, fourth place with NOLA uh, just a game away from second place uh, New York. So it will be uh, interesting to see what's going to go happen uh, in the next couple weeks. And we'll talk more about that later on. Yeah, they have a much easier run in than NOLA. That's for sure. Last game of round 12, we have Seattle hosting Utah. A hungry, hungry Utah. Seattle, a desperate, desperate team. Their fans wanted the win. They wanted the win. They had the win up until the last 10 minutes, and they just gave it away. 28-29 to 29, Utah victory. Utah needed it to keep on going, fighting through. Seattle... Oh, I my heart's breaking for him. Hoadley, take it away. Yeah, I mean, Seattle uh, conceding a try after 80 minutes is up. I feel so bad for them. Oh, I really do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gold. That's gold, yeah. It couldn't happen to a nicer bunch of lads. <laughs> no, sorry. I, I, yeah. Cheap shot isn't worth much, really, at this point after they beat us. But there you go, fair and square. So, um, but like two years in a row, like I said, uh, Utah did it last year there. And um, they came out of the blocks firing Utah. Again, I thought going into this game, it it was the most potential banana skin for a team up there against a team further down. Because the pressure starts coming on when you see the other team get five points already in the day. And then you're like, now we have now they've eaten away at our lead. We have to win. 
And for that to be the case, and it to come down right for the end, I'm so impressed with the mentality of that group. And it makes it all the more impressive what the two Sean's are doing, Sean Davis and Sean Pittman there, because that is the easiest time to roll over. And that's what Houston, have, uh, sorry, that's what Utah have done in the past. They've been good in the, in the, in the season. They've had big moments. They've, they've looked a million dollars at times. But when it comes to the crunch, they're nowhere to be seen. And this time they stepped up, and that may be a big difference. And they get, what, now a six- or seven-point advantage, I think, in the table against uh, a, a Legion, uh, a five-point advantage over Austin, uh, and that's a considerable difference. Uh, and they've got to back themselves to beat one of those teams in the run-in as well. So, I mean, geez, you couldn't, you couldn't write a better script for the final game of the weekend. But, um, again, Alan Clark, you know, you feel, you feel sorry for because he's obviously had a big impact J.P. Smith came in to 10. Uh, again, you look at that Seattle team, that is a bloody good team on paper. Yeah. they got some players in that team. Dwight is a great addition. Back row is, is uh, stacked there. You've got Tucker, Haiting uh, and Dwight. Uh, and Haiting was brilliant on the day. Coming off the line in defence, busting tackles. Um, so, no, they'll, they, they will potentially, out of the teams that are out of it, they may be, may be the one to be most consistent in the coming games, actually, under the new leadership. I think Seattle are incredibly improved. Like, uh, they actually put together a game plan that was frustrating Utah for the whole, uh, for most of the match. But season defining moments we saw in this game that Utah, the ability to rescue that from a loss to a win with all that's going on in the West and San Diego be, breathing down their necks, Austin still in the mix, Utah almost rolled over there and the fact that they didn't and found a way to win that game could definitely look back and think that that is a season-defining moment when the dust settles and we get to the playoff run or we get to the playoffs because that could decide a, a, a who's in on the West and who's out and, and, and that's Corbs, what I loved about Corbs, it. These people that are watching us watch the game. Utah did not win the game. Seattle lost the game. They had two point, two two kicks to win, to just to nail the coffin, to be done. Or kick it, touch and drive. Do what you don't. Don't try to seal the game. Play how you've been winning. That's that's the thing. You're you're trying to save a game, trying to save a game instead of you know what has worked for the first 65, 70 minutes. Now it's like, oh, all we need is this. And it's gonna it's gonna bite you in the butt. And I was listening to it, I was watching it, and I'm just like Play how you played in the first 20 minutes. Play how you played there because they had it. And they have the players. They have the coaching. They have the system up until, say, hey, let's just close this out. So, again, I'm going to have to disagree with both of you. Utah did not win. Seattle lost. But the points Utah came <laughs> yeah. away with was, uh, was very, very important. Yeah, and that's what happens when you're just on a losing streak and you just can't quite find the answers. You go away from what's been working for, for, uh, for you. But uh, I would go so far as to say is, if Utah had lost that game, I would say they're out of it on the West, which might sound a very odd thing to say because they'd still be second. Um, but look at their running, lads. Now, we're going to start looking at some of these uh, the fixture lists here. So you give me your opinion on this. Utah's next game are San Diego, Rooney, Houston, ATL and LA. So San Diego, Rooney, ATL and LA. They're playing the four teams that on the day can play the best rugby in in the MLR. If they play their best game, I think it's better than the rest of the MLR. Um, so that's a rough run in. And it, I, honestly, if I think if they'd have lost today, I, I wouldn't, I couldn't see them getting second. And now with that, um, it, it, it's all on and even more so because next week it's Legion. This week's American Rugby Show was brought to you by Gilly's Legendary Lager. A lager this crushable doesn't come around that often. Let's find out. I stand by that statement. And that was the round 12 review. What's more important, I know we touched on it, is definitely going to be the upcoming weeks so let's talk about round 13 preview going for the games i mean there's definitely some uh uh interconference you know games that are not to be missed uh and we'll highlight those without a doubt but first let's go down nola is going to take on dc toronto versus austin san diego versus utah that's going to be one of the west coast uh, must see 
And then it's going to be Atlanta versus New York. That's the East Coast must-see. Seattle versus New England. And then Houston versus L.A. Let's, uh, let's talk about the must-sees. Let's talk about the games and a couple predictions. What do you guys think about that? I'm worried. I'm worried about... <laughs> I'm worried we don't know what we're talking about. Six games. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be a great weekend next week. Oh, those East Coast West Coast games must see TV. Uh, and we're getting to the decisive weekends where the the playoff landscapes are shaped by these games and these head to heads now in conferences with the top teams or the top three teams that are in contention probably in both conferences. When they go head to head, you got to get your popcorn out. You got to sit your butt down. And you've got to watch them because they are the ones to watch. And that's what we should be talking about. No, for sure about it. I mean, let's, uh, let, let's just dig right in on the West Coast team uh, conference game that we've got to see. San Diego versus Utah. I mean, we touched on it. We touched on the victory. Touched who, if, if one of those teams fall down, is that going to be it for it? We know the tough games just this week, but we's coming on. Um, San Diego hitting the stride. Utah has, uh, has shown... Uh, Showing, showing their stuff and getting the victories. Um, who are you guys taking? Oh, that game is just mouth-watering. Like, I cannot wait for it. Like, who am I favoring right now if I had to pick someone? I think Legion, based on what I see. But Utah are physical. They can match Legion in certain areas. On different days, they can play a smarter game plan. Their set piece can be up for it. They've got massive second rows and a big old engine of a pack. Like, it, it, I can't wait. I can't wait. But I, I honestly think that the landscape isn't favoring them in that run-in. Those last two games are big. They're going to be missing. When, once they take out some of their players, you know, I think they have the most amount of Americans in the uh, in the U.S. Eagles squad. Uh, once they take out Teo and Cruz A, and, they, and if they still need wins, it's going to be very tough for them, I think. And I think that's that could be a, a turning point where they're going to have to go against teams that aren't missing many. And they're missing some of their best pieces. And that's the only thing that worries me on that running. Yeah, and as we said, Legion, Legion miss Sam and Cece. Well, they've got about five other players they can play in those positions. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, they're great players, but they've got five other great players. we well, just got a couple hundred super caps, or yeah. if not any yeah. international caps, to replace those, exactly. th- those MLR players. So here we go. Because we're predictions for next week. So I, I just want to make a point on this. So Todd, who do you think? Utah or San Diego? Teo's going to score two tries, but San Diego's going to win. <laughs> yeah, Teo Listen, will be keen. He'll be very keen to score those two tries. Okay, so here, here's the thing. I'm going to say that Utah yeah. win. Okay. Because so it's cool. at Utah and okay. the physicality, they match Legion. And I think they would have seen that game. Honestly, I th- my brain wants to favor San Diego a little bit more. I'll be real with you. Yeah. But Utah at home with I the like crowd it. and they get rolling. Like, I-, I can see it still because Legion are good, but they still got to, they- defensively, they've got to take it up levels. Yeah. And-, and-, and against Utah, the key, obviously the tactics of keeping them in their half, feeding off errors, that is the, the way to beat them. That's what Seattle <laughs> showed. And Legion do that better than Seattle. So I think yeah. there's a strong argument. Right. But the I collisions... If Utah bring the heat in the collisions, they're one of the only teams that can match San Diego there. And and, and because they're at home, I, I'm going to give them a chance. Okay, so here's a, fo- here's a follow-up question. Because you say Utah bring the physicality and then they're playmakers and then they've got the threats out wide. How many Utah players would get in the San Diego team? This doesn't correlate to who wins necessarily, but how many San Diego, uh, Utah players get in the San Diego team? I'm going to say one of their locks... Over who? I'd probably pick. You pick him over. Uh, over so you one of pick them, him yeah. Over Inferno. Yeah. You pick him over, or, over Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. Or, or you one of pick them. Him over Ben Mitchell or one Cici? of them. One of them. Okay, so I, I think that the big one of the big South African mammoths. Van Buren or um, why is his Fontaine. name? Yeah, Fontaine. Sorry, Van, Sorry, Van Buren or Fontaine. I would Fontaine. pick one of them. I would pick one of them in the engine room with either Ferno or Franklin. Like. We can't I, have three I, in the engine room. No, no, with one. I said one of them with <laughs> either Ferno or Franklin. Like I don't know who you drop because I think Ferno offers strength, and I think Franklin is a is a like an engine room lock that you need. But the size of those two locks together, as someone who coached a team to had to take them on at scrum time, has to deal with them. Those are two massive men. I'm picking one of them in the row. Other than that, Teo. 
Cruze. Over Basson. I'd probably put Teo on the, at 15, maybe. And then I would put Cruze on the other wing. Because, I, yeah, I think Basson's a baller. <laughs> I'm trying to think right now. Yeah. You put me on the spot here. Yeah, I'm like calculating. But, okay, but yeah, I agree right? with you. Those are only the few I can find. Like, those so? are the only the few. I had to I had to give you, I had yeah. to do Utah some justice here. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, those are the ones that I can, off the top of my head, think about. Scrum half, yeah. Basker's done really well. Although, I think Ethan McVeigh was Great brilliant. Job. And, in fact, I think the attack really slowed down when he went off again. He, he, mate, he's an animal. I love seeing it. I mean, I remember seeing him at Nike rugby camps and him, you know, this, and he is a grinder. I mean, the only thing is like, you know, just sort of how many reps and how many of this, but he is, he's putting his hand up and it is awesome to see, you know, Ethan carve up. So that'd be sort of a questionable, you know, position because Michael from, uh, from Utah, uh, uh, scrum half, he's been, he's been great all year long. He has been, and you'd put, and and that's a great answer because you would put Basker in, I think, but Ethan's been absolutely brilliant since he's stepped up. I I agree. so there's a few you'd, you'd put a few in of obviously it's not gonna be 15 legion players but i don't think it'd be that many i mean you, if you even split it 10 to 5 that's a massive in the favor of one team again it doesn't necessarily correlate to who wins the game but it's just interesting and here as another uh, as another point um if whoever loses this are they out can I have a multiple choice? I mean, I feel like I'm getting scolded by a teacher. I'm so scared to give the wrong answer. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just such an interesting point of debate. Well, I mean, you know, Eagles coach, you know, feel like I'm you're the headmaster of it all, but you know, I'm, I'm just gonna basically disagree with what Corb says, and uh, and and I think one of us will be in the, in the good books. I think I think you got a favor, but this is where I I, I do think. Utah will score tries. I, I don't think the Legion's defense is as rock solid as it's going to be under more reps. I, I It's made it's good and it's improved from where they were at the beginning of the season where they have no defense to now. I think they're going to score tries against the Legion. But I do think Utah are a team that are ripe to get pinned in their own half and just implode themselves at Legion's game plan, which is kind of what Seattle did. So mm. I'm more going off of home field factors and like big players turning up in a game that they know they have to win because I think if you look at San Diego's mindset they know they have more games than Utah Utah are going to have some urgency knowing that those guys are leaving that they have to win these and they're at home and there's a lot to come out of it I think they're going to have a good performance but this could be one of the most decisive games in the whole landscape this game right now and you have to watch it well, Legion play Utah, LA and Austin in the next three. So every week there is one. So here's yeah. the question. If Utah win, are San Diego out? Because they'd, no. they'd then be approximately 11 points behind, depending on bonus points, with only uh, four games to go. 11 points behind with four games to go. Seems insurmountable. Only because those players are missing? You never know. But I agree with you because... In the background, all of this is what Austin keep doing as well. Um, of course. And, and, and I think you've got to keep an eye on that. 11 points, and if Austin keep winning, potentially. Potentially. But I, I can't write the Legion off, clue, I can't write them off. Like, they're, they're that loaded. They're playing well. Like, they're before this season, the, the most, like, I'd say the, the best side in MLR across, across at least the last two years of what we've had full seasons as such. Like... Legion are, are right up there. Um, and so it's hard to bet against them when you see them playing, of, uh, like how, what's got them there, and they have the pieces. Mm. I just, I just, mate, this MLR is so unpredictable. It's yeah. so hard to call. That's why I love it. Like, I'm yeah, addicted yeah. to it. I'm an absolute junkie yeah. every weekend because like, even when I call the Prem, like, I do it for NBC, I've watched all the games this weekend. I kind of have a good feeling and quite good at predicting who's going to win those games. Like I am. Like I've watched them enough. You know the teams. I can usually make a solid prediction on it. With these ones, mate, it's so much harder. Yeah. It's so much harder. It's why I, I'm like hooked into it every weekend. Hose, yeah. Hose, who do you have? Uh, San Diego traveling out to Utah next week. What, what's your What's your take? I, I think the thing is, as you're saying, we're talking about players and that's not the an- only answer because Utah know each other so much better. So, you, again, you can slot good players in, right, which you've got very, very good players, but they don't know each other. They've only had like three weeks training, they're, you know, they're fresh and what have you. But so when the pressure comes on against a really good team, we haven't seen that. 
we haven't seen that because they've been very good over the last three weeks and they've scored 40 points and they've defended well the last two weeks. So we don't know the answer to that yet. Um, that's going to be the most interesting point, but we're certainly going to find out when they play uh, Austin, LA and Utah in the next three weeks. I mean, it's just, it's just unbelievable. And, I, and again, how they come out of that three games is critical because their last... And then they go to Seattle away, Legion, and Seattle we know could be coming and they're going to have a grudge against Seattle and then they, will, they, they, they should win the last week of the uh, season because they play the OGs but it's, uh, it's tough sledding for Legion those fixtures but they need them they need to play those teams to beat them so um, they'll play it in the hard way to the playoffs if they get there you wouldn't, you wouldn't fancy playing them I don't think preview of the round 13 NOLA versus DC Holy, who do you have for this game what are your thoughts I think this is a really interesting one because the OGs are done. They're out of it. Uh, and Nola, to me, are in massive trouble. Obviously, they were third and trying to push up towards second, but they've uh, Atlanta have run away from them with the win. Nola now play the OGs away, Toronto away, New England away, LA away, Seattle away, Rooney away. Six away games, mate. Yeah. You notice a theme there? All away. And uh, and I don't know. I think they're struggling for confidence. And the thing is, again, they could play the OGs, and the OGs could like really just give it a rip. Um, there's no pressure on them. So I'll go for a surprise uh, OGs win there. I think the OGs too. I think the, the frustration of, of of you know consecutive losses in their situation is is only a few changes from a big performance away with the team they have. So that's your guys' guess. Do you, either, either of the teams make the top two? No, no chance. I'm with you guys. Sorry, <laughs> sorry to those guys. I shook my head for the ones <laughs> listening on Spotify <laughs> and, all, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, <laughs> Toronto, Austin. So Toronto, they're done, unfortunately, but they can play some brilliant rugby. Uh, Austin have to win that one again. You know, with what they're playing for versus what Toronto are playing for, and Toronto back on the road. No, I think Austin win that, and then. Austin have Seattle away, San Diego away, LA away, and the OGs away to finish the season. So again, that is a horrific run-in. You know, the last three games, sorry, the middle three games, Seattle, San Diego, LA, all away, they must win this game against Toronto. Um, and And then they'll face their big one will be San Diego. Austin fans have got to be nervous about it because, I mean, Toronto has that power. They, you know, we talked about one of these teams that are going to be out of it are just going to be playing and they're going to be enjoying themselves. And you know what? I don't know how much they can be enjoying themselves being away from their home, family, loved ones, and everything else, living out of a hotel. But they are a dangerous side, as, uh, as San Diego saw, uh, you know, for a good amount of that game. But uh, that's a definitely must win for Austin if they want to continue that playoff hope. Next preview for round 13 is the East Conference game of the week. No doubt about it. Atlanta traveling to New York. Number one and two. That is going to be a battle. Corbs, I'm putting you on the spot. What are you thinking, buddy? One word answer. I think Rooney. I think Rooney get it done, mate. they, They got it done. They had the recipe to beat Atlanta at Atlanta, which not many teams have had. I think they're hitting their stride. They're back at home. Um... They're playing on a different field as well, which will be interesting to see what that looks like and, and, and how that goes. But I think, I think Rooney have the set piece, the physicality and the gamesmanship to deal with what Atlanta throw. And I think this is a pivotal moment for the East Coast because Atlanta really need to win this game. As much as I like, oh, they just won, you beat LA, they, they squeaked the win. They've got four of their last six on the road. Where Rooney have four of their last six on home, stealing some of Rob Hoadley's mantra from our show last week. But that to me is everything. Like that to me is it. So this game for Atlanta is must win. Can they do it? One hundred percent. But I do think they're going to have to be at their very best to stifle Rooney because I think with the experience in that Rooney, Rooney side, the coaching team, I think they'll have a, a recipe to sort of balance their their approach to to be able to combat that style. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say I think Rooney get it done. Holy, are you, are you objecting with that? I mean, Scott Lawrence is going to go in with a game plan uh, to, to, to definitely uh, rifle that one. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, the Atlanta are going to have the same game plan they've had because it's been brilliant. Uh, but Rooney are going to come with a, a different game plan. And that's not what we've seen going against ATL so far. I think uh, Matt, Matt, uh, Marty Veal and, and Marty Burke will come up with something a bit different and, and Ellis 
and the lads there. I think Rooney will win that one. Um, and like Mike McCarthy's shout was brilliant. Look, we're all having a bit of fun here, right? He, those guys do a great job on, on the rugby wrap-up. And uh, I love it. He came out and he made this bold prediction. And he made, it could be true. A lot of sense. He's talking I... a lot of sense. And I could see that happening, you know. Um, I, I think LA will, will talk about it. LA will win the West, in my opinion. Uh, but I think I, I can see Rooney for sure winning, winning the East. Uh, and this one's going to be an absolute belter. Just a note on ATL as well. We talked about the game. They did that without Matt Heaton and without Ryan Goose as well, who are two integral parts. So again, uh, another massive um, shout out to them for doing that without two of their biggest leaders. But I think this one may be a step too far after the, the, the energy that they've expended uh, and the travel. Next game, we have Seattle versus New England. Uh, New England's got a lot to play for. Seattle's... Definitely, uh, you know, they're improving, but obviously it's probably too little, too late, or a lot late. But, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on that, Hodes? We take. Uh, again, just, just with what they've got to play for, I think New England do it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Seattle pulled this one out. I think they've got a big wing coming in them soon. Um, but again, New England play five, uh, f- sorry, four out of the last five at home. So I think if, if there is to be a slip-up at the moment, I think ATL and Rooney will finish top, but if there is to be a, a slip-up, I think New England will be right there waiting to take that second spot. Um, they play Seattle at home, Nola at home, Rooney at home, Toronto away, which essentially isn't an away game. Uh, it's a neutral venue. Uh, and then ATL at home. So if they can, if they, they play Rooney and they play ATL both at home, so they could squeak in there and cause an upset. I, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch them over the next five weeks. Completely agree with Rob. I don't even need to add to it. I think they have an outside chance of the playoffs. I think they find a way to get it done. Do I think it's the prettiest game? No. Could I see Seattle winning? Absolutely. But I, I think it's spot the, on. The now. record at home is quite good too, I, I, must, you know, I must say. So, I mean, home field advantage definitely plays in their hands, uh, seeing that they haven't lost a game there. Yeah, and that's why it's just going to be so interesting for, for the next five at home and a very, very confident bunch. Uh, you know, we saw that with Toronto last year as well, or the, sorry, in season two, where they had the, most of their games at home and they built up so much momentum uh, and they flew into the, the playoffs. And the last game for round 13 preview, we have Houston traveling out to LA for the LA Coliseum. Um, I don't know if you guys even want to chime in on this, but I don't think LA is beatable by this Houston team, especially at the Coliseum. Uh, you know, get your tickets if you want to see some good tries. In the interest of balanced journalism, we have to mention that Houston did nearly beat uh, LA in Houston. Now, in the interest of lo- logic and uh, looking at rugby, there is zero chance of Houston winning this game. Uh, and have, so have we, have we forgotten about the LA Guiltinis? Because they lost to Atlanta and then they didn't play this week and all of a sudden everyone's talking about Legion and Utah and the East Coast. Well, hang on, hang on. Let's just take a step back here. The Guiltinis are five points clear. They've got a game in hand. It's against Houston. They'll get five points in that. So it, all things being equal on 11 games, they're 10 points clear of anyone else in the country. LA are huge favourites to win the West. Let's not get this wrong. I think they slipped out of people's minds a bit. But uh, I think they'll be definitely... Corbs, you can talk about it, but uh, you'll be keen to put on a show back at the Coliseum. Honestly, I've never wanted Rob Holy to shut up more in my life. I'm like, you're, you, you, you're spilling the beans, man. I, I was enjoying the LA off the radar. I think, I think it's good. Uh, listen, yeah. I don't want to give sound bites that can be used by Houston in yeah. the week that, you know, because listen, it is a bit of, I think LA should be heavily favorite. Uh, I think, you know, credit Houston, the way they played LA at theirs. I think LA get it done. I, I, I think they just, I don't think, I haven't seen a game plan from Houston that will work against LA at the Coliseum. So for those, for those reasons, I, I fully believe LA stomped the yard. Well, that is it. That is the preview of the upcoming week 13 of MLR. Let's see how it goes. I mean, you know, the mastermind, Hoadley, Corbs with all the technical, uh, you know, sound bites that hopefully don't bite us in the butt and make us sound more genius. Yeah, we will definitely This is, you know, 2021 MLR. Anything could happen, and I can't wait to see it. Like we all said, grab your popcorn. This is must-watch TV. 
doesn't get any riskier than making predictions in the MLR. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so that's game. It's been an absolute great show. I appreciate you guys every week. Thanks for your time. Uh, I enjoy this so much. I'm about four gillies deep. Uh, you know, I, I love it. Thanks for, for breaking it down. And for everyone listening, thanks so much for supporting the show and listening. Taking over back to host mode. We really appreciate all the support. Re- uh, keep following us on social media at the American Rugby Show on Instagram at the Am Rugby Show on Twitter. Keep sharing, favoriting, retweeting, subscribing, telling your friends about it. We are trending upwards in all our digital footprints, and we're absolutely buzzing about it. A reminder: we had Chris Martina from Rugby United New York on the State of the Union. It dropped later this week on the Friday, so not all of you listening might not have heard it. But catch it on audio, catch it on video. It's a great listen, great insight, and another. Another reminder for our Eagle Watch special with Nate Ebner. I'm sure anyone listening to this has probably seen that, but if you hadn't, that is as much watch as it gets in the USA rugby podcast landscape. So check that out, and we will see you again later this week with the State of the Union. Thanks again for all the support from Alex Corbusier, Rob Hoadley, and Todd Clever. That's a wrap. Lastly, a big thank you for this week's show, which was brought to you by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.